This episode of Channel Mind News is for information only. Please do your own research before making any investment decision or alternatively seek advice from a registered financial advisor. Righto, who's in line for the Kathleen Valley Liontown underground mining contract and Red Dirt released some handy first assays at their Yinathara lithium project. But why did they go backwards initially on the day? Welcome to Channel Mine News for today, 24th of January. Matty Michael here for Life of Mine. Let's get into it. Now, Liontown LTR last week released an announcement saying their CapEx has blown out by 60%. For the Kathleen Valley Lithium project, it's gone up from 545 million initially predicted to 895 million dollars. Reasons for this: some expansion, some extra capacity, inflationary as well. They've expanded the stage one mill capacity from two and a half million to three million ton per annum. They've also increased the site camp accommodation capacity. They've modified their initial startup plan, so they've got rid of the Mount Man pit and they're going straight underground from a box cut there, but they've also expanded the Kathleen's corner pit. They did comment and said the higher material movement costs for open pit were a reason for this, and you'd assume that is because of the higher diesel usage to get dirt out of an open pit, and it sounds like they're going underground quicker through that Mount Man to access the steeply dipping thick high grade ore body to get the get the spodumene flowing early into the mill so this massive increase in capex as i said some of it is from expansion but a lot of it is from this inflationary environment so you know take this into account for every dfx dfs uh, capex figure you read for projects that are put out as i said line town they've gone up 60 percent from their initial figures not all just inflationary but a big chunk of it is Will this be the norm for a lot of projects that are soon to be developed? Something to take into account for this uh, mining landscape going forward. Now, the underground contract for the mining, as this Kathleen Valley will be predominantly an underground mine, which is a bit different to most lithium deposits, but it's very intense underground mine. That contract is going out to market this quarter, possibly being now announced at the end of it, with development anticipated to start in Q4 2023, end of this year. Big development contract. So you look at it, the DFS, the first year, it's about 4,500 metres, uh, but the next 11 years after that averages around 16,000 metres per year. So that's around... 1350 to 1400 meters per month who's in line who can do this well right next door at bellevue right next door to kathleen valley you've got develop bill beeman's new venture the mining services division of develop they're marketing themselves as development specialists they've recruited a lot of new operators they're paying absolute top dollar but Bill Beeman has publicly said they don't want to become massive and have lots of jobs and go and buy their company name. I would anticipate that they won't want to take on full production contracts. Development is their specialty. That will be their focus. It has been disclosed that in his comments that they don't want to, he only wants a few jobs and development is the focus. This is a big long-term contract that requires 
the 16,000 metres per year, but that's coupled with 3 million tonne of ore to be hauled from underground. This is ramping up to 4 million tonne by 2029. That is a big, big amount of material to be hauled from underground. Now, a contract of this size will only likely be able to be executed by the likes of Burn Cut and Bar Minka, in my opinion. 4 million tonne a year, I'd say, would be around a lot of variables with depth. As, as I said, this won't be, a, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of ore per vertical meter. So the depth, it won't be depth, but there's a lot of tramming to get it off the level. I'd reckon at least 14 underground trucks to get 4 million ton a year out. That could be like six loaders, lots of gear for, and only the big established companies will be able to get this gear provided and provide the people. Now I'll go into the development side and we'll go into what, how unproportional adding meters, tons and gear is because let's just look at the trucks. One truck, you can get a lot of efficiency. It's never parked up waiting for anyone. You start adding extra trucks, it's more congestion, there's waiting time. It ain't a proportional addition of efficiency and output when you start adding equipment. And I'll go over this on the for the jumbo development and it'll make sense. And this applies to the production as well. So 1,400 metres a month. How many jumbos will you need or will Kathleen Valley need to execute that? Now, initially, there's a lot of capital development. That's your bigger drives, more hulls, more ground support. Now, if you look at Bellevue at the moment, this is what the pros, the stage they're going through. Even though their ground is very, very hard, that's common knowledge, they're currently developing all their capital drives. So they've got their declines, access drives, stockpiles, loading pockets, fan strips. A lot of extra work is required to get the same meters advance as you would for a smaller ore drive. Now, you couple that with the extremely hard ground at Bellevue, that's why the frontline develop operators they're only getting just over 300 metres a month. Put them in softer, better digging ground, they would be getting up 500 to 600 metres per month with the, look, they've got full-time nippers, they've got a lot of assistance. That shows the impact that hard ground has. Now, let's say best case at the start of Kathleen Valley, I don't know how hard the ground will be at Kathleen Valley, if it's similar to Bellevue or not, but let's say best case scenario, for the capital at the startup for one jumbo. One jumbo might get 500 metres a month once they have a decline, some level development, multiple headings to go to. That's good going. 500 metres a month in capital is very good going. Add a second jumbo onto that. Now, remember, you can't replicate frontline operators. So each, when they say frontline operators, they are the best people for that machine. It's a very skillful job being a jumbo operator. So each additional jumbo you add, the operator quality starts going down. You can't clone these gun operators. A one jumbo mine, that one jumbo has 100% attention given to it. You add a second jumbo, you can't just give 200% attention to two jumbos. You can get extra nippers, they're the jumbo assistants. You can get extra loaders, you can get extra machines, but you start adding all these extra people, machines, extra utes to get around in, the efficiency of both the second and the first jumbo will decrease. It is inevitable. Let's say best case for jumbo two, that second jumbo. They might add 
another 300 metres. As I said, that frontline jumbo is getting 340 at Bellevue in very hard ground. But you had the second jumbo, look, you might, you might get 400, you might get 300 in addition to the 500 of the first one. So, look, eight, if you got 800 metres with two jumbos, that is very, very good going, in, especially when you're dealing with a lot of capital drives. Now add a third jumbo. The efficient, efficiency percentages then get applied again. So that third jumbo might only add a total of 250 metres. These are all hypothetical numbers. Add a fourth jumbo. That might only add 150 or 200 metres. Add a fifth jumbo. That might only add 100 metres. This jumbo might will likely become the rehab jumbo. So doing all the, the patch-up jobs, meshing over rises, uh, rehabbing pillars, uh, might not do much development at all. So to pump out 1,300 to 1,400 metres per month, month on month, you'll need at least, at least five jumbos, at least. If you introduce very hard ground into the equation, five jumbos won't even get close to that. Now, here's my predictions. And as I said, those, those percentage of efficiencies, you can apply that to trucks as well. The rate, the amount of dirt that a five trucks would get out of a shallow mine, let's say hypothetically that was 2 million tonne, which would be bloody good going. I think DeGrusa had six trucks to get out 1.6 million tonne. So if you if you double that six to 12 trucks, that doesn't mean you get 3.2 million tonne. It doesn't work like that. Every piece of machinery you add on decreases the efficiency of the whole operation per unit of machine. So as I said, based on what DeGrusa was 1.6 for six trucks, look, to pump out 4 million tonne from underground, it be, could be well over 14 trucks to actually get that out, get that amount of dirt out. As I said, depends on if you've got separate mining areas that you can actually run two separate divisions, you'd say, and the congestion isn't as high. A lot of aerials, but that is a lot of trucks to pump out that amount of dirt. So here's my predictions. Remember, this is a forward-looking statement. It may not eventuate. Do not, do not make any investment decisions from podcasts containing forward-looking statements. So I think if DEVELOP won the initial development contract, they wouldn't take on the future production. That's a lot of trucks, boggers, long-haul drills that they would have to buy. It's a massive job to man up and equip. Uh, a mine this big demanding so many metres and tonnes there's a chance you could even have two contractors on the one side. It, it happens. It happens at a lot of mines. Uh, not not common, but it does happen. You might have one contractor have the development, the jumbo development in a in a certain area. Then another contractor that looks after all the production and some development around that production. So look, if development got the initial development contract, hypothetically running a five jumbo job, uh, then a burn cut or bar minko might come in later to commence the production contract with some jumbo development in and around the production area. Or you would have a burn cut or a bar minko take the full contract from the start. They have both have the experience of running big, big contracts. Burn cut's big contract experience comes from places like Telfer, Prominent Hill, Carapatina. They're similar scale to this. Bar minko, they've got Sunrise Dam. That's a massive contract. Uh, Nova. They know what it takes to run these big jobs. Be very, or develop might take the whole contract. They might want to 
take the whole thing and get a massive big contract, get all the trucks, silos, all up in the air. You'll find out at the end of this end of this quarter and in the years to come. But it'll be very interesting to see how the Kathleen Valley mining contract pans out. Now, on to Red Dirt. Red Dirt, we spoke about them last week with the Precision Funds Management lads. They've just released their first assay from Pegmatite Intersections at Yinathara. Now, that's their second project. Mount Ida is the one they've got the mineral resource at. Yinathara is their new exploration project. Red Dirt currently sitting at 51 cents. Can Accord have a speculative buy operate recommendation for them targeting a price of $1.20? They actually went backwards initially on the announcement of the assays, but now they're slightly up. Now, as I said, Mount Ida, their first project. That Look, will that be their flagship project if Yinathara builds up to scale? Mount Ida has a mineral resource of 12.7 million tonne at 1.2% lithium. But Yinathara, that it has a lot of thick spodumene outcropping and the potential for a large-scale deposit. But will it have the grade and the recovery percentage for the metallurgy? Don't know yet. The, the first assays have come back, so they've got 55.6 metres at 1.12%. And they've got higher grade sections, 15 metres at 1.5%, 15 metres at 1.3%, 12.4 metres at 1.22%. That leaves the uh, leftover at 13.2 metres at 0.3%. So always when you look at, especially with like big gold, coffin, porphyry intersections, they'll, they'll give like the full length, but then the high grade sections of it, once you do a bit of a sum product of the grades times tonne metre, you can see, do the calculation of what is actually left over. Um, there was one that came out the other day from, oh, it was a Canadian one, I saw it on the Between the Lines Patreon share market analysis subscription. That's pretty highly recommended. Have a look at that. Uh, once you calculate what's left over, sometimes that leftover material over that whole distance that isn't in those high-grade portions is actually barren. So. That's something to consider. Now, another one to consider with these results, it is 55.6 metres because they have given a cross-section, but you look at the angle of the holes, it's dipping at 62 degrees. So if you apply your trigonometry to that, uh, it is relatively vertical, this interpolation based on it. If 62 degrees at 55.6 metres is actually 26 metres true width. So that 56 metres is cutting through it vertically a bit. You can also apply that to the Patriot Battery Metals hit that they reported. Massive hit, 157 metres at 2.12%. But that hole was dipping even, even more vertically at 65 degrees. Now, Patriot, they haven't provided any cross-sections showing the, like, the all-body interpretation angle. So... You can you can't really accurately assume what is true width because if it's if it's dipping and that is actually intersecting it perpendicular to the dip, that would be the true width. But if the ore body was vertical, uh, look, I think sixty five degrees is about forty two percent forty two percent of that. So that one hundred and fifty seven meters converts to about sixty six meters true width, left to right. So. That's another thing to consider when looking at these massive hits. Now, another thing with the red dirt, the photo only shows 124.5 to 129 metres, showing the coarse-grained spodumene, which had an intercept of that period over that interval of 2.2%. 2 
Now that's only four and a half meters of that 55.6 meter grading intercept. So look, coarse grain spodumene crystals, they work better in flotation compared to fine grain crystals, which have a lot lower recovery. We just saw Alchem the other day report in their quarterly that Mount Catlin's recovery was only 37%. Now this was up from 25% in the September quarter. And Alchem stated that this is due to the fine grained nature of the spodumene ore that they're currently mining. So look, Pilbara Minerals, Pilgrain Gora, their recovery is above 70%. 70% should in the 70s should be where they're at. So something to watch out for, for regarding the future metallurgical work that will inevitably be completed for Yinathara. Uh, Mount Ida's metallurgical work, that come back with a recovery of 74% for a 6.2% spodumene. Uh, that's very good. The question is, will Yinathara produce the goods for the metallurgical recovery. So it's all well and good having a big massive deposit, but if the spodumene crystals are too fine, uh, they applying a much lower recovery percentage will have detrimental effects on the NPV of that project. Now, also, if you look at the res in this uh, announcement for the Yinathau results on page six, you'll see the historical lithium results from around Yinathau that were previously drilled. They're not really knocking the lights out. So look, 36 metres at 0.7%. The only decent grading hits are 1.49% and 1.26%, but they're only two to three metres thick. So they've got a 90,000 metre drill campaign planned this year. We'll see if that starts hitting some more high grade, thicker intersections like this. Right, I think that'll do for today. Now, give, we're on TikTok now. I'm in on TikTok. Go follow Life of Mind Potty on TikTok. And give the give the Twitter ones a follow. I've even done an individual account on Twitter now at Maddie Michaels. That along with the at Life Mind uh, Life of Mind Potty. So it looks like you need a personal one to put a face to the name and the business one. This is what I'm figuring out about this Twitter world. So give all the socials a follow. Give the episodes a share around. Hey, get your underground operators tickets for the Brisbane Conference, March 27th to 29th. I just released a podcast with Chris Carr and Peter Hills, the Oz IMM committee members talking about the history of the event giving a bit of promo it's going to be awesome i'm gonna i'm gonna go come have a beer with me should be great right up stay safe out there and run hooray